What is spiritual endurance? And understanding what it is, how do we develop spiritual endurance? How do we become the kind of people that can continue to move forward spiritually when it seems like our world is falling apart around us? We talk about this so often on this show, but understanding what it is to endure, what it means to push forward in a spiritual sense is absolutely essential if we will march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. We'll discuss that and so much more when we return from this break. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hello and welcome to the March or Die show today. Thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Glad to have you along. And I am so excited about today's conversation. We have an incredible guest on who I will introduce in just a moment. But before we get there, if you are listening and are not yet subscribed to this podcast, that's what you need to do first. Please subscribe. I want you to know as soon as this podcast comes out every single week. So go ahead and subscribe. Once you've done that, you can take some time, go over to YouTube. You'll find my YouTube channel there. Go to YouTube, search for my name, Jeremy Stallnecker. You'll find my channel there. Subscribe, hit the notification bell. That will let you know when more content comes online. And I'm always putting new content out there. So please check that out. And then finally, go over to JeremyStallnecker.com. JeremyStallnecker.com. You will find uh, more information about me, a lot of stuff there about me and my family, my life. Uh, Also, my connections out to social media. All of those contacts are there as well as my blog, uh, links to my podcasts, other things that I'm involved in. So please go and check all of that out. A lot of good things going on, but I want to get into this episode today. Today, I have the privilege of sharing with you an interview uh, that I conducted recently with Ben Greenfield. If you're not familiar with Ben, uh, hopefully you will be after this podcast. And then after that, go and check out his uh, website, bengreenfield.com, bengreenfield.com. Ben is well known in the fitness fitness industry. He has been a leader in so many areas of our understanding of nutrition and fitness and uh, how all of those things connect. But more importantly, (laughs) Ben is a Christian. He's a Christ follower. And although he has uh, largely built his career and his reputation on fitness and Um, uh, new techniques and new tactics for doing things physically, he understands the difference between being a body with a soul and being a soul with a body. He talks about that in this interview, and uh, I really wanted to share this with you. So I'm very excited. Without further ado, without further explanation, we are going to jump into this interview with Ben Greenfield. Honored to have as my guest today, Ben Greenfield. I'm sure most of you know Ben 
at least by reputation, but he is a health consultant, speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of 17 books, including Beyond Training, Boundless, Fit Soul, Spiritual Disciplines Journal, Boundless Cookbook, and uh, the book I have right next to me, and I'd like to talk about here a little bit later, the book Endure. Uh, Ben, thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, sweet, man. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, I was I was letting you know before we started recording here. I'm I'm weaving through some some bushes out to a farming road back behind my house. So uh, so yeah, a l- little bit of bushwhacking here, but uh, <laughs> I'm honored to be on. I uh, I would be surprised if you weren't out doing something physical while we were on this podcast. So uh, it it meets all of my expectations. So thanks for doing it. Oh, uh, you know, it was that or swimming laps, and uh, you know, it's hard <laughs> to do with the phone on. Yeah, no kidding. Hey man, let's uh, let's start. And while you're walking, this is probably a good time to start here. Just just tell us your story if you wouldn't mind. I've seen you interviewed several times. Um, I'm sure folks who are listening and watching have as well. But um, I- I'd love to hear your story, how you got into the fitness industry, and then kind of maybe more importantly or with that, your faith story. And the two that come together in your life is is really interesting. Can you talk about that for a little bit? Oh sure, yeah. You know, I was uh, I was I was born in North Idaho and. Uh, was born into a into a Christian family. Both both my mother and father were were uh, saved uh, in uh, their late teens, kind of early twenties time range, and they both met and married in uh, in North Idaho, uh, up in uh, up in Lewiston, Idaho, and uh, you know they had a, a network of friends in Moscow, Idaho, where uh, where actually uh, they they still live. Uh, also, that's where uh, where Christ Church and a fabulous christian community is yeah and um so you know i grew up with uh you know doug wilson and my dad gary greenfield co-pastoring the church that that i attended and i was homeschooled k through 12 and uh just had a had a real wonderful wonderful childhood um you know i i was very intellectually driven i spent most of my time with my nose in a book you know reading fantasy fiction and 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 writing about castles and dragons and princes and princesses and yeah, yeah. eventually discovered uh technology and got into like video game design of you know everything from fantasy games to first person shooter games and, you know i was big into chess was president of the chess club and played violin for about 13 years and was kind wow. of the quintessential you know intellectual nerd and honestly like what i wanted to do all the way up until about the age of 14 was uh be a computer programmer and design video games and and uh and be a software engineer and then i discovered even though i dabbled in some other sports leading up to that point i discovered the sport of tennis mm. and i just fell in love with it fell wow. in love with it yeah i'm kind of experiencing a resurgence of that right now because i just discovered the sport of pickleball which uh, yeah. by the way <laughs> right. is amazing it's amazing you gotta try pickleball <laughs> if you're listening to it. it's so fun so anyways i get into tennis you know, and, and uh, my parents really loved that I was I was kind of discovering this new sport. And, you know, they even uh, helped me to build a tennis court at our house and paint the lines. And I had a tennis instructor come up and give me lessons. And uh, I I just had that serve as a as as a means for me to get super into. Oh, well, how could I how could I eat better? And, you know, how much protein do I need to build muscle? And, right. and what do I do with these, you know, these 10 pound dumbbells? My dad drove me down to the sporting goods store to buy and you know, I started run up the hills behind my house and I just became a real student of like physical culture and, and physical fitness and caring for the body. And uh, I got so into it that I decided to ditch the idea of getting into computer programming. I instead uh, 
basically uh, walked onto the tennis team at, at age 15 at the local college, uh, wow. declared, declared a, uh, an exercise science major, uh, wound up uh, eventually transferring up to University of Idaho and, uh, and studied exercise physiology and biomechanics for about four years. Uh, halfway into that, decided I wanted to be a doctor and took all the, all the pre-med courses, uh, took the MCAT, uh, got accepted to uh, six different medical schools. Uh, and uh, because I was, I was kind of a, uh, uh, I, was, I was pretty arrogant and egotistical and wanted to, to get into the MD-PhD program at a couple of Ivy League universities that I wasn't accepted to, I decided to uh, go on and get a master's degree, make myself more palatable to these mm-hmm. schools, and then work in the private sector. And so that's what I did. I, I, I got a master's degree in exercise science and then went on and worked in hip and knee surgical sales for uh, a little less than a year. And during that time just became really actually quite disillusioned with modern medicine mm. and uh, the way the, the entire program is run in terms of healthcare in the United States, at least. And, uh, and, you know, I, I actually, I quit that job. I, I walked into uh, the gym across the street from the apartment that I was living in with, with my wife, newly married. I slapped my resume down on the counter, which was pretty good at that point. Cause I'd spent all, all my time in college, all four years, you know, teaching sports classes right. and personal training and getting all these degrees and certifications, doing nutritional consulting and running the wellness program at university of Idaho. And so basically I got the job as a fitness manager, um, wound up running that gym for a couple of years and then, uh, eventually, uh, partnered up with a local physician. We launched a whole sports medicine facility, a one-stop shop for, for sports medicine and, and, uh, physical training did that for about five years. And, um, and then once my sons were born, I realized that for me to be gone all day, you know, working as a personal trainer, which was great. I was successful. You know, I was making, you know, uh, uh, you know, well into the six figures, you know, just working with clients on a daily basis, but it was, you know, it was, it was a lot of time for money. And so, uh, I decided, you know what, I want to homeschool my sons. I want to be at home with my family. I want to to spend as much time with them as possible. I I really early on in my life saw the value of family and legacy and the importance of a, of a strong father in the home. And I realized that doesn't mean a dad's got to work from home, but for me, I, I wanted to see if I could make that work. And so, I, I started creating a lot of online programs, online consulting. I get home from work as a personal trainer, you know, with my wife pregnant, uh, you know, and waiting for me. And I'd, I'd stay up till like two or three a.m. coding websites and and developing affiliate programs and building up my newsletter list. And um, so I was kind of moonlighting two different jobs. And then uh, eventually, about oh, 10 months into that, I launched my first online training program. In this case, for a triathlon. Um, you know, and uh, just ran a campaign for that and did about, oh, 50K or so over the course of about six days. Yeah. And I realized, hey, I, I can actually, I can do this. Like, I, yeah. I can make this happen from the home front. And so I shifted into a lot more online consulting, authoring. I started a podcast. You know, I, I started, a, you know, a website and and basically shifted into more of like a, uh, like a, a content creation type of yep. business. Yep. Uh, that eventually opened up into a lot, a lot of speaking, a lot of consulting, a lot of travel for that. And so I, uh, I wound up basically doing a lot more what I do now, uh, which is uh, a lot more in, in like the digital content creation front, uh, branched out into investing in a lot of health and fitness and biohacking companies. And um, 
all along the way, I was competing uh, professionally in Spartan racing and obstacle course racing and Ironman triathlon. And so, uh, you know, I, I was kind of kind of burning the candle on both ends, you know, physically, mm. mentally, yep. from a business standpoint. And by yep. all the world standards, you know, up until about eight years ago, I was uber successful. You know, mm. I was voted as America's top personal trainer and, you know, had all these accolades and was making a lot of money. Um, but about eight years ago, a real shift occurred for me when I realized that all this all this earthly success had actually uh, taken me away from my faith, so to speak. Yeah. It yeah. started to convince me that I could put a lot of strength in myself and my ability to succeed, my ability to make things happen. And uh, I really realized that that certain elements that really should come before health, before business, before finances in my own life were, were kind of falling apart, particularly faith and family. Yeah. My marriage wasn't so great. Uh, my, my presence as a leader in the home was not so great. Paradoxically, despite me, you know, homeschooling my sons and, and being at home with them, I was also on the road half the time. And when I was home, I wasn't that present. Yep. And, um, and, and I also really didn't have a, a spiritual practice, you know, that, that was something to speak of aside from, you know, praying before meals and reading my Bible in the morning and going to church. Right. And the, I really wasn't treating my spiritual stamina and my spiritual practice as anywhere close to the, to the effort and the blood, sweat and tears I was putting into my physical fitness and my mental yep. fitness and my business. So I really put my foot down about eight years ago and really committed myself, you know, to, to you know, studying folks like, you know, Donald Whitney and the early church mm. desert fathers and mothers and, and, uh, and, and began to engage in a lot more, of the spiritual disciplines, you know, silence and solitude and meditation and prayer and devotions and scripture and fasting and sit spots and nature immersion. Yeah. And also began to lead my family in a lot more of those practices and, uh, and just really began to weave a lot of the more meaningful things into my life that I talk about in, in books like that one you mentioned, like Endure and, and Fit Soul. And, and gosh, over, over the past several years, I've just I guess if I could sum it up in one phrase, my my real my my modus operandi right now uh, and, and going forward is not that we are a we are a body with a soul, which is you know su such a popular way to approach life these days, especially in the fitness and health environment in which right. I operate. But instead, we're a, we're a soul with a body, and the most important part of ourselves that we can care for, the part of us that will go on to live for eternity, you know, for better or worse, yeah. you know, as a CS, as CS Lewis notes, you know, we can be a, be a monster or, or, or an immortal hero. You know, it really, it really comes down to caring for your spirit, caring for your soul. And so that's really, really what I focus on now is especially again, in the arena in which I operate where people are pursuing ultimate fulfillment through their health and through their abdominals and through the pair of jeans that can mm. fit into and to the, the finish line of a triathlon or a marathon, you know, all these things that can be incredibly fulfilling, you know, it's, it's once again, returns back to the eternal whole in our soul, yeah. you know, that the Pascal and Augustine talks about, you can dump everything in the world into it. And, you know, I've been there, I've, you know, I've been the, you know, the fittest person in the world and I've made yep. money and I've, and I've gotten all the things, but in the end, it's all like, nowhere near as fulfilling as, you know, sitting on your back porch on a meditation cushion at 5 a.m. watching the sunrise and talking to God, being in union with our creator, having a robust prayer life, engaging with, with, with people in the community, having solid relationships and love in your life, being with family. And, you know, once, once you realize that that's 
really the ultimate path to fulfillment and happiness. Everything else is just kind of the icing on yeah. the cake. Man, that's uh, that's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. I, I love to hear that journey and to understand a little bit of that arc. You're absolutely right. Mike, I, I would have a question on the kind of in, the, in light of that. What's the response from the fitness industry been to your more outspoken um, uh, communication of your Christianity? You, you just recently put out a, a podcast series, and I actually read the articles um, transcribed from those on, um, I think you call them herbal medicines. Um, oh, yeah, plant some, medicines. Plant medicines. So some yeah. of the things that you've talked about before, and then you, you kind of broke that down and and some changes maybe in your own mind and understanding of that. Um, how is your response from the people that you've been working with for the last, you know, your whole life? <laughs> What's that been to what you're talking about now? Sure. Well, well, perhaps I'll, I'll give you a, a kind of a, a big picture answer, but then perhaps we could use the example of that plant medicines piece as a more specific illustrative example. But, you know, what, what I found was that when I began to be more forthright with my faith, yeah, I was nervous, you know, if I start talking about, you know, about God and, and faith and, and I guess what might be considered in many cases more dogmatic notions of, of Christianity and religion right. on a podcast and a blog and a platform that's supposed to be devoted to fitness and health. And, you know, I suppose what you might call the more carnal practices. Sure. Well, that's probably not going to be received too well. And I'm going to lose my whole audience. And, uh, you know, and wind up, you know, flipping burgers and eating rice and beans. <laughs> and, you know, it's really been just so rewarding and so fulfilling to see people coming out of the wood where personal trainers coming out and be like, hey, Ben, you know, I've, I've realized I can talk to my clients about faith. I can yeah. talk to them about caring for their spirit. And I can do so without feeling weird because I've, I've seen that, that you're doing that now, you know, as a fitness yeah. influencer, as a fitness leader on your own platform. I've had people come out of the woodwork and say, oh, man, I like I've realized that, you know, that all the things I was doing before, they, they were unfulfilling. And mm. and, you know, and, and you know, I, my 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 daily trip to the gym was something that I was relying upon as the ultimate source of my strength rather than placing the source of my strength in my creator. And sir, there's certain people who say, I'll stick to your lane, bro. <laughs> Stick yeah, to fitness, right. bro, right. or, you know, keep your faith in God private. All I want to know is what supplement to take in the morning. Uh, <laughs> right. But but you know what? It's been like 10% that and like 90% of people just being encouraged to either grow in their faith or share their faith or or discover God, you know, oddly enough, uh, through this sneaky backdoor tactic. You know, mm -hmm. I like to think of it sometimes when you're in a what would be considered, you know, kind of a little bit more of a secular environment. You're operating behind enemy lines, yeah, but you're yeah. also communicating to a certain tribe in a certain language with a certain style. And I still mix in all the health and the fitness components, but it's all through the, through the lens of savoring God's creation. And even, you know, especially when we talk about things like, you know, I, I focus a lot on food and cooking and adventure right. and savoring all aspects of God's creation, almost as a, you know, a guy like, John Piper might say, you know, almost like mm -hmm. this, this flavor of Christian hedonism, but for more of a fitness and a, and a health and a nutrition standpoint. So that's, that's been actually very, very well received. Awesome. And then, yeah, when it comes to something like, let, let's say plant medicine, and obviously, you know, that's a, that's a multiple hour podcast sure. article series I put sure. out on, so I couldn't address it in, in, in full detail here, but ultimately, you know, if I, if I could, if I could kind of summarize it, I think one of the biggest battles that the church will face and that a lot of Christians are kind of like blissfully unaware of right now 
that's just been growing by leaps and bounds behind the scenes is this idea of um of spiritual enlightenment achieved through yep. plant medicines yep. and a lot of people are going to peru to journey with ayahuasca or you know or or tripping with iboga or psilocybin or lsd or wachuma and these these plants that when taken and consumed especially in higher dosages can you know merge the left and right hemispheres of the brain and cause a kind of a, a, a deactivation of, of the central mode network that's constantly scanning the environment for dangers and can can cause this soup of serotonin and, and dopamine and other neurotransmitters to, to flood the, the synaptic clefts between the nerves and cause this real shift in thought patterns and almost a, a spiritually transformative type of effect. I mean, many yeah. people who have taken a, you know, like five grams of psilocybin will come back and report like it was the most meaningful spiritual mm. uh, encounter, or most mm. spiritual experience they've ever had in their entire lives. And so almost like the hippie movement of the, of the 60s, we're seeing like a resurgent of a lot of this, but it's but it's much more laudable. It's much more glorified. It's considered to be much more pure and much more clean than what may have been associated with, say, reefer madness in the past. Right. And so, so what ha- what's happening is that, you know, plant medicine churches are popping up and books are being written about the early use of entheogens in Christianity, although that's kind of what Paul was warning the Corinthians about when he wrote right. to the church in Corinth, because right. they were right. some of the rascals who were, you know, taking stuff like this and mixing, <laughs> yep. mixing stuff with their wine and having orgies. And, you know, and essentially it's like this, this kind of like pantheistic pagan practice of communing with not just big G God, but little G gods yep. through the use of, of plants, because God can reveal himself to us through nature, but so can other entities of the spiritual kingdom, you know, demons and fallen angels and spirits and ghosts can, can all interact with people through these plants. It's really weird. It's, it's not just like this neurochemical soup in your brain. It's actually opening up a portal to a spiritual world. That's right. Which is, yep. and, and it's, and it's actually quite dangerous because yeah, you may experience what some people report as, you know, bliss and God and love and light, but perhaps for every, you know, let's say nine people who experience something like that, there's going to be one person who opens them up themselves up to some pretty dark spiritual influence. Yep. And there's a lot of people, you know, who uh, develop psychosis and schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and a, a host of pretty problematic symptoms by dabbling with these things recreationally. And then furthermore, and I think this is the bigger issue, and this is what folks, you know, the fathers of the plant medicine movement, like uh, Timothy Leary and, and Aldous Huxley and, you know, a super evil, you know, forefather of all the witchcraft and sorcery and modern day Ouija boards and things like that. Uh, uh, Alistair uh, Crowley, a lot of these folks knew that these medicines were something that when taken could enlighten people and make them aware of, of the need for love and for all of us to hold hands mm. and say kumbaya, which all sounds great. Mm. But what you'll hear over and over and over again bandied about in these shamanic new age plant medicine-based circles is that we're inherently good. Humans are inherently good. And all we need is these plant medicines to wake us up. And at that point, we are going to be able to change this world and transform this world through love alone, baby. And it shifts the entire faith and trust that should be placed in our creator and in God to instead yep. uh, some something tangible and earthly like plants. And so what's going to happen here as we as we go through the next decade is as you know, states like Oregon legalize psilocybin and theogenic churches pop up in places like Austin, Texas and L.A., we're, we're basically going to see Satan himself and 
uh, you know, and, and the kingdom of fallen angels and dark spiritual entities trying to turn people away from God through this noble back end sneaky door tactic of the, the noble plant medicines that are really basically the equivalent of the pharmacia that's yep. warned against in the Bible using yep. drugs to divine with God. That being said, why did God put those things on the planet in the first place? Well, if you look at something like, you know, uh, ergo, an early fungus-based uh, precursor to LSD, if you look at psilocybin or magic mushrooms or wachuma cactus, take, take it in very small amounts. These things can enhance sensory perception, increase focus, mm. increase creativity, increase sociability, you know, kind of the same way as, you know, drinking a, a glass of wine might act as a socially lubricating uh, thing that you could consume at, at the end of the day during a dinner, for example. Um, and so in small doses used responsibly, there appears to be some efficacy. There also appears to be potential efficacy for things like end of life therapy, uh, for, for, uh, for trauma therapy, and even in the right set and setting for things like uh, couples therapy, you know, using compounds like, uh, say, uh, MDMA, you know, sitting, mm-hmm. sitting with uh, your spouse after taking something like that and having a deep conversation and engaging in some other topics that, that you might not have otherwise really felt felt open to speak about and i've seen some use cases for something like that but the problem is people journeying to peru to do ayahuasca and commune with yep. the gods and yep. you know people taking psilocybin and laying flat in their back and saying okay god what do you have to show me today and you know you don't know if it's god or or, or lucifer the angel right. of light when yeah. you're in that state yeah. so so yeah there's some great big warning flags that should be placed around these compounds and i think again like you know if i were if i were talking to um you know to a lot of these these uh you know you you, know, you look at let's say joe rogan right perfect example another yep. podcaster if you were to to you know listen to that show or or talk to other folks who are in similar sectors like this stuff is just accepted as you know normal everyday vernacular and something folks are doing you know sometimes multiple days of the month and i think a lot of christians don't realize how pervasive it is in culture right now yeah and how increasingly legal it's becoming and actually, scary enough, you know, because I see a lot of this stuff behind the scenes, how many politicians, world leaders, and even pastors are now using plant medicines, and mm-hmm. they're almost serving as a replacement for God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, think, I think it's something that's going to be an increasing problem. Well, I think it's super important that you in particular, and, and you know, more like you would, would talk about these issues, because when I talk about it, you know, it can be dismissed. When a pastor talks about it, perhaps it can be dismissed. But someone like you with a lived experience who can speak to uh, not only the good, but also the bad, but more importantly, the spiritual aspects of it is it's so critical. And like you said, at this moment, it's, it's become so mainstream so quickly, it kind of blows my mind. So I appreciate you speaking up on on these issues. And in spite of what pushback you might have, I think you are encouraging a lot of people. Um, Yeah. And oh, by the way, if I could say just real quick, I mean, like, I won't deny that if someone, let's say, takes uh, psilocybin or, or San Pedro or something like that, you know, which is one of the compounds that's served up at a, at a lot of these Native American uh, Christian churches, you know, they're using San Pedro extract, you know, as part of the liturgy. Right. You know, I, I won't deny that that can uh, allow one to have a deeply spiritual experience. You know, there, there are some interesting things that happen from a neurochemical and a spiritual standpoint when you take those kind of substances. And the the um the the problem i think when when you look at at people who say well that's the most meaningful spiritual experience i've ever had yeah is yeah. 
that's that's relative to having done very little beforehand. Now, when you take someone who is chopping wood, carrying water, and engage in the spiritual disciplines through blood, sweat, tears, yep. discipline, temperance, yep. and self-control, not just yep. popping pills and taking a drug, that's the difference between um, experiencing God, yep. right? Or what you may say is a deeply profound spiritual experience, yep. and actually knowing God, yes. following God's law, having God's commandments woven in your routine from day to day having a culture built upon christian principles you know rather than than it just basically being hey it's time for me to go find god again so i got to go find those drugs because i know no way to do it other than with these compounds right and so what i'm saying is that the better spiritual experience is actually being on your knees every morning you know and, and sure that could include breath work and listening to music and burning incense or essential oils or you know you can make it a special experience of course but it takes a lot more to drop to your knees every morning to be immersed in scripture to be journaling to be listening to the voice of god in the still small silence and that that develops the spiritual character and spiritual stamina that something like plant medicine doesn't even come close to offering so well said and that's why i think the title of your book endure it, it just the title is meaningful to me the subtitle is tools tactics habits uh, and habits for spiritual stamina um something i've spent a lot of time meditating on and thinking on over the last six months or so is hebrews chapter 12 verses one and following but verse one that tells us to run with patience the race that is set before us um i've gotten involved over the last couple of years in uh, endurance races and ultra marathons and uh the, the analogy there is is so clear. If you've been involved in endurance events, if you've been involved in you know pushing and, and just the the discipline of one foot in front of the other, really that's what the spiritual life is. Um, can you talk about that for a minute? What what is spiritual endurance, or how would you define spiritual endurance or spiritual stamina? Um, because going back to what you just said. I think there can be kind of the artificial, this is my spiritual experience, it was induced by a substance, or the real spiritual discipline of following God, pursuing God, patiently waiting on God, allowing God to guide us and direct us. Um, So meaningful, connected with me so clearly. How would you define that? Well, look, I I, I think that that the, the outcome is relatively simple to define meaning that the outcome of incorporating the spiritual disciplines in your life is greater temperance, greater self-control, uh, the fruits of the Holy Spirit emanating from you in your day-to-day existence in terms of you know, emotions of, of love, joy, and peace, replacing those of, say, anger, fear, or shame, you know, a more others-facing life in which you are not only more grateful, but also more empathetic yes. and have an attitude of service towards others. And I'll get into the nitty gritty of, of how that's accomplished momentarily. But the, the outcome is, I think, obvious with the caveat being none of that is possible without the grace of God. I'm yeah. not arguing that you should engage in spiritual disciplines so that you can, by relying on your own strength, yeah, become yeah. more Christ-like each day. But by relying upon the grace of God and admitting that you can do nothing without his help and without his grace and without the salvation afforded through faith in Jesus Christ, then, you know, none of this is going to last for long. However, if you, if you acknowledge God and then also put your head down, chop wood, carry water again, Mm. you know, like Nehemiah, 
prayed for, for God to bless the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, but he didn't then just sit on the wall and wait for yeah. God to do it, right? He stacked <laughs> right, swords right. on the sentries, right. and he got to work. So let's talk about getting to work. What's that look like? Um, I'll give you an example, a very simple example uh, that goes beyond just, say, you know, reading your Bible and praying every day, which is, of course, fantastic. But there are other things, I think, that go into building spiritual endurance or, or spiritual stamina. So, for example... I, I do wake in the morning and uh, typically within the first hour after waking, that's when a lot of the theta and the delta brainwave signals, these more relaxing, mindful and uh, relaxed focus type of signals tend to predominate in your brain. After you've turned off your phone, worked on email, after the cortisol awakening response has occurred due to these hormones that get released in the bloodstream as you wake and begin your daily routine due to sunlight hitting your eyes due to a variety of wakefulness-promoting factors, mm. the best time to actually begin that morning routine is within an hour after waking up. So I'll get up, I'll wash my face, you know, have a glass of water, et cetera, et cetera. But then, you know, I've, you know, set and setting is important. So typically it's either the back porch or the floor of the living room while all the family is still asleep around 5, 5.30 a.m. I, I am a big fan of creating the right environment. So I pull out a meditation cushion and I burn some incense and I put on the soaking uh, worship channel on spotify because music can help to shift the state quite readily i'll do a little bit of breath work you know like deep breath in and out and in and out because the breath can really help to center you and then i will greet god and ask god to bless this time with him i will typically work through a devotional but you know it varies from year to year right now i'm working through john eldridge's um restoration year you know simple reading each day call to action for a certain prayer at the end of the reading and then uh, at the top, a Bible verse. And whatever I do when I'm reading a devotional, because almost all of them have some scripture passage for the day's reading, is I have my Bible in front of me and I go through the entire chapter that's devoted to whatever verse or passage that the devotional was relying upon. And then after I've gone through the devotional, read scripture, I'll lay out any petitions and thanksgivings and offerings before God. And then I also have a journal and I will sit and listen for God's still small voice in the silence and write down anything that he's revealing himself to me through on the journal. Okay. And so that's typically about a, Oh, around a 20 minute morning practice. Yep. And, it, and the important thing to realize is that, and I think this is what gets a lot of people, especially in our day and age when travel is so accessible mm-hmm. is that routine can often vary dramatically when I travel. See, when I travel, mm-hmm. I find, yeah you know, I'll wake up and I know I got to be in a meeting, you know, a half hour later and right. my schedule's all out of whack and I'm in a, a different set and setting and I can't just like do the same thing as I did at home that effectively. And I find I'll, I'll kind of fall off the bandwagon when I travel yeah. Yeah. unless I incorporate specific tactics or practices. So when I travel, I, I, I use a little bit of handholding, a little bit of, you know, so-called digital accountability. And what I mean by that is I'll use an app that has prayers and meditations and devotions that are delivered via audio and music to my earbuds. And I find when I'm traveling, there's so many other racing thoughts going through my head. If I can just like get out of bed and sit cross-legged on the hotel room floor and say, open, uh, you know, one of the, one of the Christian meditations and insight timer or, uh, open like, uh, John Eldridge's, uh, pause app, which is great. One, three, five, and 10 minute pauses, or even use, you know, I'm into a lot of these biohacking devices. There's one called the brain tap, right? It's a, mm. it's a light sound machine that will deliver, you know, prayers and devotions and scriptures to you while kind of like lulling your brain into this focused meditative state. It's interesting how so technology can work in here as well. Right, when right. I, when I travel, it's different yet. It's still, 
you know, if you would ask me 10 years ago, I'd be like, yeah, I'll be like, get up and go like, you know, hit that hotel gym real quick before I head out to my, my talk. Now it's different. Now it's making sure that the spiritual fitness gets addressed first. Although a lot of times use technologies and apps and third-party services and things like that to help me along when I travel. Cause I don't have people like my family there to hold me accountable right. and I'm out of my, my comfortable environment. That's the personal practice, right? The only thing being that once a week, I like to go deep where, and what I mean by that is like go into the sauna and light a candle and, you know, do like a 60 to 90 minutes set with scripture, with breath work, with devotion, with prayer, almost like some athletes like to do a really hard workout once a week yeah. or some fitness enthusiasts yeah. like that, you know, oh, I got my Saturday workout yeah. where I really crush myself, bro. It's you got like the long that. run, I'll, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah, exactly. The train for a marathon. Yeah, that weekly long run. Well, I like to do once a week something that's a little bit of a bigger deep dive spiritually. And I mean, sometimes I will just put on worship music and go for a two hour walk, right? Mm -hmm. And with the hands raised and praying, you know what I call prayer walk. So it can vary. But then of course, there's the family component, which is important, especially if if you're leading a home. And so what happens is I'll, I'll do that morning meditative practice. And then I'll head down to my office, I'll have my coffee, I'll get some work done. And at 7.30, I come up and I gather the whole family. And they all know it's going to be about 7.30. Sometimes my sons are out, you know, feeding the chickens or taking care of the goats or my wife's in the backyard, you know, gardening or watering flowers or whatever. And so I'll call them and I'll I'll say, hey, five minutes, family. And, you know, in the spring or summer, we're we're out on the back porch. Um, The fall or winter, we're in the living room. But we all gather as a family. and It's like our morning huddle. And we each have what's called the spiritual disciplines journal. And I actually, I wrote and developed this journal after adopting it for our family and realizing that I, I should turn it into a, a book for other people to enjoy as well. Mm-hmm. But basically it's, it's a Bible verse at the top of each page. And then uh, two questions for the morning and three questions for the evening. So in the morning we sit down and uh, I use an app called insight timer, which I really like for timing things like this. And it's got an eight minute timer on it. And so I like to have a little background music. I think the one that I choose on the Insight Timer app is like Angelic Choir or mm-hmm. something like that. And anyway, so we sit down and for the first three minutes, what happens is dad opens the meditation. I read the Bible verse at the top and then I start on the timer and the first three minutes are quiet time to simply breathe and focus on the Bible verse that was read and memorize it. So we commit one piece of scripture to memory each day and if someone hasn't memorized it in the morning, I give everyone until that evening when we go to bed to be able to say the memory verse from mm. hearts or sort of placing God's word upon our hearts yep. each day. Yep. And then what happens is the little bell rings at the three minute mark. And at the three minute mark, the triggering question that's in our journals is, what are you grateful for today? Mm. And so we write down what it is that we're grateful for. And there's actually evidence that reimagining or revisualizing the moment of gratefulness that occurred to you kind of triggers the same neurochemicals and neurotransmitters and feel good hormones that were released when Mm -hmm. that thing that you were grateful for initially happened. So we've got the next two minutes to write down what we're grateful for and then spend time acknowledging God, thanking God and laying out our gratitude before our creator. And then the timer rings again, right after two minutes of that. And we move into the next part of the day, which is service. So a lot of these like daily meditations, morning affirmations, you know, it's a lot of positive self-talk. Like, right. I'm good. I'm great. I'm wonderful. And gosh darn it, mm-hmm. people like me. And yeah. And so we, <laughs> right. we instead want to be more others facing, more service focused. So what we do is we write down one person 
we can pray for or help or serve that day, mm. right? Might be the neighbor, might be calling your mom, might be praying for your brother, doesn't matter. But, but one person you can pray for, help or serve that day might be something as simple as you saying a prayer for them before breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Might be something as complex as you literally driving to their house and seeing if they need any help in the yard, you know, yep. but, but 365 days a year, you're jotting down one person who you're going to be there for. Right? And so we then spend the next two minutes praying for that person, comma, kind of like planning out how it is that we're going to be there for that person or serve that person on that day. And we've got two minutes carved out for that. And the final little bell rings and uh, we, we tap over our heart or a temple or a wrist. Uh, there's a, a concept in, in a field of psychology called neuro-linguistic programming. It shows that when you tap on a certain area of your body 15 to 20 times later on in the day or in the week, when you tap in that same body area, it brings you back to the place mm. you're at when you initially tapped so that means if we're stressed out later on in the day you know running around from the lions you know jumping out from the email inbox on mm. our computer we simply tap and it brings us back to that same feeling of relaxation and gratitude and peace that we had in the morning meditation you know it's the same for things like music things like aromas like essential oils or incense yeah. anything yeah. that you can burn or listen to when you're in a state does a really good job shifting your brain. So I think sometimes we ignore some of these, some of these exogenous environmental inputs. They don't have to be there, right? Meditation and the spiritual disciplines, et cetera, they don't have to be complex, but sometimes adding in these little things like aromas and, and music and tapping can be helpful. And then after we've tapped, we take a giant breath in, breathe, 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 breathe in, and then release the breath. And then dad says a prayer or we all sing a song together, you know, in the prayer right now, I'm working through uh, piercing the heavens, which is a, a book of prayer from the Puritans who just had these beautiful, graceful prayers. And, and sometimes it's the Lord's prayer. Sometimes I'll pick up the guitar and we'll sing a song, but then we all gather together as a family. We have a big group hug and we have a quick huddle like, Oh, what time's dinner? Mm. And where are you going today, mom? And what's dad got on his plate? And where are you going to be? And who needs a ride here and there? And so we all kind of come together as a family at the beginning of the day but it starts with that kind of like sitting on the floor meditation practice. And then in the evening, you know, we have wonderful family dinners and we, we play games and table topics and have chats. And, you know, every night's like a big party at our house. We make dinner together and we eat for like an hour. Then we all clean up and, uh, and we head up to my son's room uh, and they're, they're twins. So they're both in the same room. So this, this makes it a little bit easier. And uh, we, we bring our journals and we come back into mm -hmm. the room. And this time, uh, we are doing a process of self-examination, self-examination. This is something a lot of, of philosophers and scholars and, and authors and, and even early church fathers would do. At the end of the day, you close your eyes and you analyze your day, you know, before the eyes of God, you know, how is it that you lived your day? And so the best way to do that is to literally create a scenario where you're watching yourself like a third person character in a movie going through mm. your day mm. and what'd you have for breakfast who'd you talk yep. to what'd you do between breakfast and lunch what was your morning spiritual practice like how'd you spend your afternoon you know what'd you do later on in the afternoon what'd you have for dinner what kind of conversations did you have you're you're visualizing the entire day and your wow. visualization muscles are just like any other muscle they get better and better as time progresses and you'll find you know, within a little while, you can literally just like go to your debt through your entire day in you know, two to three minutes flat. So we, we drop in some real relaxing breath work, about a four count in and an eight count out. So exhaling for twice as long as you inhale is a really good way to relax the body at the end of the day. And then as we're visualizing our entire day during this process of self-examination, 
we're asking ourselves and jotting down the answers in our journal to three questions. What good have I done today? Mm. What could I have done better today? That's Meaning good. what what failures did I learn from or right. what mistakes did I learn right. from that I can adjust for the following day? And then where was I most purpose-filled today? Now, those questions are important uh, primarily because the what good did I do today and, and what could I have done better today allow you to repeat the good things and avoid the mistakes or the errors or the sins on the subsequent day, dictating that if you really believe that how you live your day is how you live your life, well, ideally, in the same way that we should become a new creation, more Christ-like each day, each day should be stacked one upon the other to get just a little bit better each day in terms of our failures. It can be something as simple as, you know, I found myself for five days writing down, I wish I'd played guitar today. Yeah. And, you know, that happened like a year and a half ago for almost a week. And I thought, I'm never going to write that in my journal again, ever. And so now, even if it's just, you know, before dinner playing the doxology or whatever, I pick up my guitar every single day and play with myself mm. or play with the family. And that final question, where was I most purpose-filled? Well, many of us spend the day spinning our wheels, checking boxes, getting things done, but often we're never actually making progress towards our unique calling in life. You know, the, the unique skill set that we've been given dictates that God has called us each to a specific purpose. You know, yep. as, the, as the Okinawans would say, our ikigai, or in, in Sardinia, it's called the plan de vida. Like, what is it that rips you out of bed in the morning mm. that you were meant to do in the first place? And so when you, when you are able to analyze, gosh, where was it when, like, time was going by, but it was, it was I, I didn't even have a grasp of time and had a smile on my face. And I just felt like I was doing what I was intended to do. Well, as you begin to write that down in your journal at the end of the day, it really helps give you clues about the reason that God has you here in the first place and the unique skill set that he's given to you. It might be writing a song or working on an article or, or painting or, you know, sitting at your desk doing a consultation with someone who you're helping. Like it, it really is going to vary from person to person because obviously we have unique gifts. But the idea is you're identifying with that gift at the end of each day and kind of analyzing whether or not you actually have been making impact in the world with the purpose that God's given to you. And then uh, we, we finish up with just a little bit of extra breath work. You know, this is about six, seven minutes in the evening. And then I say a prayer and, and we go to bed. And the reason I laid all that out for you is like, that's an example of well, what we talk about. That's, that's maybe like 40 minutes a day or so. Right? It's right. about the equivalent of a lot of times that people will spend at the gym, for example, sure, but you're sure. systematizing and calendaring yes. and planning yes. for your spiritual routine, the same way you'd plan for going to the gym. You know, or the same way you, know, you you see this a lot in like romantic therapy or couples therapy, right? They say, well, calendar, when are you going to have sex, right? And, you know, and a lot of couples are like, oh, that's going to take all the magic and the and the, the sacredness <laughs> and, and the wonder out, out of romanticism out of sex. But it's actually true. Like if you write it down and, and jot it down and plan for it and you and your wife are kind of, you know, nosing each other at, at, as you're making coffee in the morning and you kind of know what's coming up that evening, you know, not only does it happen the way it's supposed to oddly enough but it actually allows for for sexual growth between you sure. and your partner and so just because you write something down and calendar it and plan for it doesn't mean it all of a sudden becomes unspiritual or yep. unromantic right. Right. it's just that that you're planning in the, in the same way that you build your physical fitness yeah it's the intentionality behind all of it man i love that um the book is great endure uh you outline a lot of those things there's places not only to read but to work to answer questions and uh, really excited about it. Um, where can people get the book? Where can people follow you? 
And uh, I'd love to talk to you for another two hours, but we can't. So <laughs> where, where can people follow, follow you and get, uh, you know, get the work that you're doing and, and bring it into their own yeah. lives? Yeah. You know, I have a podcast. You can find any podcast players, just Ben Greenfield Life or just searching my name. You should be able to find it. My website's bengreenfieldlife.com and you should be able to, the book we were just talking about was Endure. It's kind of a two-part series. Matter of fact, what happened, and I won't take up much more of your time, but I remember actually it was, it was a conversation I had with Doug Wilson yeah. when I told yeah. him like five years ago, I'm like, dude, like I'm, I'm so fulfilled right now, really helping a lot of these people in the fitness and the health world find greater meaning and purpose and fulfillment. What, what do you think I should do next? He's like, write your testimonial and just, you know, give away your testimonial for free on your side. So I'm like, okay. That's and great. I'm in, incapable of writing short things. So it turned into a book. <laughs> it turned into a book called Fit Soul. And so, so I launched that book and then I wrote a sequel to it called Endure. And so Fit Soul and Endure are kind of meant to go together. But uh, you, you should be able to find both of them on my website or on Amazon. Yeah, beautiful. Ben Greenfield, thanks, man. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I hope that we can do this again sometime. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, well, thanks for having me on. I'm honored. Really thankful for Ben's perspective on all of these things. I mean, there's so much here. Uh, we could talk for hours. And uh, he's got a lot of content on his website and through his books, of course. And uh, I'd encourage you to go and check all of those out. But very, very grateful for the opportunity to uh, just have that conversation. I hope that you'll follow him, and I know that you will be blessed if you do. Before I jump off, I do want to once again thank Life Audio, lifeaudio.com, for allowing me to bring this show to the Life Audio platform. Very excited to be there and uh, thankful not only to be on the platform myself, but to be surrounded with other great shows. Please go and check out lifeaudio.com. You'll be happy that you did. As we conclude today, I will remind you once again that in life, you only have two choices. When it seems like your world is falling apart, things are exploding around you, as does happen, spiritual endurance demands that you march, even though it might be easier to die. So what are you going to do? Will you march or will you die? The choice is always yours. Thank you. I'll talk to you next time. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.